Good to see you guys, man. Great service today. Great music. Thank you for singing, and thank you, Annie and, and Riley, and all the special music today. For the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Romans 1, Romans 2. We've been looking at Romans 2 for a while, and you think, Brother Todd, can we cl- please move on to the next chapter? And I promise today I'm going to wrap up too. But uh, as we've been talking about with some of the guys and stuff here, when you talk about Romans and you talk about Paul, you have to take little bitty chunks at a time because there's just so much there to to think about, to chew on, to learn, to, to let God inspire us through his word. But as we kind of look real quick, kind of catch you up if you've not been with us over the last several weeks, uh, chapter 1 is kind of an intro to the gospel. Uh, and then another part of the chapter 1 is the gospel defined. Now, it's not up on the screen today, but if you'll just flip back one, one page to chapter 1, 16 and 17, I wanted to read that for you one more time because this is the gospel defined. In chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, read along there with me. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. And I guess we've been talking about that over and over the last several weeks. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't be good enough to get to heaven. We can't come to church enough times to get to heaven. It's only through the power of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, on the cross, dying for our sins, paying our price, his death, burial, and resurrection, only through him. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And so there's no other way you're going to heaven except through Jesus. If there was another way, guys, listen to me, and we've said this before, but if there was another way to get to heaven, Jesus didn't need to come and die. And we, when we say there's another way to heaven, I can be good enough, I can do enough good works to get me to heaven, we're saying that Jesus' work on the cross and him even coming to this world was a mistake. And it was not a mistake. He knew that there was, this was the only way. You remember we talked about in the garden when he prayed, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, let it be your will. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we've said before, that wasn't something he didn't know the answer to. He wasn't sitting there going, now, is there some other way we can do this? What he wanted us to, he wanted us to hear that. He wanted us to hear what he was asking the Father. He wanted us to realize that there was no other way, that he had to come and die for us. There was no other way to save lost mankind. And so, looking one more time, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to just a select few, just to the white, just the black, just to the Chinese, just, no, it's, it's to everyone. Everyone who believes, and I love that. We've been talking about the last few weeks that God doesn't show favoritism. Everyone can come to know him. Doesn't matter your social background, how much money you got, how much money you do have or don't have, uh, where you live, where you was grown up, what country you were born in. Christ died for everyone, guys. And when we go to excluding people and say, I don't know if they're good enough, or I don't know if they're worthy enough, I don't know they're worthy enough, we got to get a big hold of our collar and say, you know what? I wasn't worthy either, but Jesus, through his blood, made me worthy. And I like that. I like that. He made me worthy. Who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Hey, there's no secret about it. Jesus came for his people. His people were the Jews. But as we talked about Wednesday night, they skipped over that. They didn't want that. They they were looking for something bigger and better than that. They didn't want their Messiah being born in 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 an animal trough. They didn't want their Messiah being born in a straw, in a stable, and 
where in a little bitty town called Bethlehem. They wanted him born in a castle and in the temple, and they wanted him born in the big city of Jerusalem. That's the one they want to accept. And they said, no. And see, his plan all along was so the Jews would receive him, and then they would come and tell the Gentiles, which is us. But they said no. So as we talked about Wednesday night, he's, God's plan is going to go on. Guys, always remember that. I remember somebody told me that several years ago. Christ's plan, God's plan for this world is going to go on. You can't stop it. All you've got to decide is if you want to be a part of it or not. Because you can sit on the sideline and watch. There's no doubt about that. You can sit over there and not do one thing. for the, But I'm telling you, salvation and God's plan is going to come together. It's going to happen. And he says, you can be a part of it. You can be a part of it. But the Jews said no. And so God went through Paul, and Paul began preaching through all the countries of the world at that time, sharing the good news, the gospel. And that's why we got the books of Romans. That's why we got the books of Corinthians and Thessalonians and Timothy and, and all those books of the epistles of Paul. He took that Christian persecutor, the one that was killing Christians, he got a hold of him, blinded him on the road to Damascus, changed his heart, changed him from the inside out, and he went and won the world for Christ. And man, that's an awesome thought. That's what God can do for people. I told you Sunday night, I got to share it again, I, I posted it this week, but th there was a story of one of these ISIS people, and you know who ISIS is, they're, they're the most hated people there is right now, seems to be. And they're beheading Christians on a daily basis in other countries. Well, the story came out this week that just before this guy took off another Christian's head, that Christian turned around and said, I know you're going to kill me, but I want you to have my Bible. And he handed him his Bible. And he went ahead and cut the guy's head off. And the guy from ISIS began to read that man's Bible. And it so convicted him that he's even had dreams where a man in white, he said, come to me and said, you're, you're persecuting my people, stop. And he's told his people, I cannot do this anymore. And he has since went and sought out a missionary and has given his heart to Jesus. Now, you telling me that, that, that God can't reach anybody? Guys, there is no, you're sitting there in this room maybe today thinking, man, you don't know, Brother Todd, what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've went through. I'm telling you, there is nothing, there is nothing you've ever done in your life that Jesus can't forgive. He's died for that. He can forgive that. You can leave this place today a brand new creation, a brand new creature in Christ. Because if he can save Christian killers, and you, know, you think about that and you go, man, that's amazing. But I just told you about one that's in the Bible. He wrote over half the New Testament. His name was Paul. He was doing the same thing. He was, he was killing Christians because they didn't believe like he believed. They were, they were part of that way thing. They were part of that new Jesus radical movement. And he said, you're not going to come and destroy my religion. And God got a hold of him and changed his life. And he ended up writing half of the New Testament. God is in the life-changing business. He is in the life-changing business, guys. And don't, you, don't, us, don't we ever, may we never forget that. May we never forget that. For is the gospel, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. God is right and we are wrong. That's, that's how, how do you say all that, them big church words, brother Todd, righteous and all those things. But here's this real simple thing. God is right all the time. 
and we were wrong, but through Jesus Christ, we can be made right through Jesus to God. We can be made righteous, right. I like being right, don't you? My wife lets me be right every once in a while, you know. I love being right, okay? But through Christ, we can be righteous. We can be right. We can be right with him. And we can have a home in heaven. And that's a beautiful thought. Greatly blessed and highly favored. Woo! Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, that was number one. Then we move on to number two. And for the last three weeks, this is our third week on chapter two, we've been talking about how God's going to judge sin. Now, and here's the key of the whole chapter. You know, we were talking this morning here while we were practicing our music, and Riley said, I think if I could put the whole book of Romans in one word, I would say it's conviction. You know, because it convicts us. We read there that, man, we're, we're nothing. We, we need Christ and all that. But you know what the real word, I told him what the real word, after you think about that, we, we're convicted, and that's what God's word should do. It could, should convict us to, to change ourselves, to, to go in a different direction, to repent. And that's all repent means. I'm going this way. And I'm wrong, so I'm going to do a 180, and I'm going to go toward Christ. That, that's what repentance, that's what repentance means. It doesn't mean that I'm going to give heart, Christ my heart out here and continue to walk in my way. When we repent, we stop, we realize we're going away from God, and we turn, and we run to God. That's what happens when you repent. And so, yes, it is convicting, but you know the key word of, of Romans is grace. Because we realize in chapter 1 that we're lost. We realize that we're a bunch of derelicts. We realize that we're a bunch of depraved people that will do almost anything. Now, if you don't believe that, just watch the news a couple nights. We will do almost anything. There is nothing out. You know, the Bible says, and in their heart, they, they, they dwelt on evil all the time. They did evil abundantly. They did evil all, it was just all they thought about. It was all that was on their mind was doing evil. How, many t- how much time did you spend this week thinking about evil? How much time did you spend this week thinking about God? Think about those things. But we think about all that evilness and all that lostness and all that sin, and then we realize that Christ swept in and offers us eternal life. See, that's the, that's the bottom line. It's not how bad we are, how lost we are. It's not, and that's all important to know that we're lost. But the bottom line is that Jesus can save us from all that. He can can rescue us from all of that. And so we come to chapter 2. Let me read you the verses that we've read already. I'll read straight through and then we'll stop and and we'll start at 17 this morning. Chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Hmm. Now, remember who the audience is of chapter 2. The audience of chapter 2 is a lost person. There's a person, say, out there in the crowd, and I told you this a few weeks ago, but this, the audience of this chapter is there's a lost person here in the crowd, and they've got all these questions about why is there a God? Why do we need to believe in a God? Why do I need a God? Why do I need the gospel? Why is Jesus dying on a cross so important? And so the audience is a lost person. And they're trying to tell Paul that, hey, I'm a good person. I'm morally good. I give to charity once in a while. You know, I don't, I don't tell people off too much. So I'm pretty a good person. I, I think that I'll be judged on just being a good person. So we've been talking about that over the last several weeks. 
And guys, listen to me. You don't want to be judged on being a good person. Because what is, remember what we said last week, what is our righteousness like in God's eyes? Filthy rags. All right, filthy rags. If you're lost. Now, it all changes when we give our heart to, to Jesus. When we give our heart to the Lord, now God doesn't see us. He doesn't see me as Todd Vincent anymore. He sees me as the son of Christ. He sees me as Jesus' son. And so when God judges me someday because I've given my heart to Jesus, because you give your heart to Jesus, and if you hadn't done that, you can do that before you leave today. You can do it right now if you want to. I'll stop preaching. I don't care. We'll tell you about Jesus. But when you stand before the Lord someday and you've been saved, you give him your heart from the inside out. He will not judge you on what you did and your works and all that. He will judge you on the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? When he sees you someday, he won't see your faults and your failures and all your mess-ups. When you believe in him as your Savior, he takes all that and wipes it white as snow, and now he, he judges you on the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus is perfect. It's perfect. And I like that. It gets me excited because I mess up a lot. But, but when he judges sin, guys, you want him to judge your sin through the blood of Jesus, not through your own good works. Because again, if your good works can get you there, Jesus is irrelevant, and he's not irrelevant. We needed a Savior, and there was only one worthy to do that, and his name was Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. Number two, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Boy, don't we love to judge others. Boy, he's a messed up guy. She's a messed up lady. I'm sure glad I'm not like them. Mm. Go look in the mirror a while. That'll change that. Or do you show contempt for the richness of the kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the days of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Again, who's the audience for this chapter? The lost person. He will pay each lost person according to what they've done. But for those who are self-seeking, I'm skipping down to eight, and who rejected the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Don't you tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to do. You sure can. You sure can. You can do whatever you want to do. But someday when you stand before Jesus, remember that. Remember that. Because that's how you'll be judged. Verse 9, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. That'd be a good place for everybody to say amen. Amen. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do not by nature things that require the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Now, what in the world does that mean? That's a whole bunch of... Dana, my wife always says, Paul is hard to understand. He talks back and forth. And, and it, what he's saying is this. He's saying, you Jewish people, my, my, my chosen people, what you chose to do was you chose to make religion 
a burden. It wasn't good enough that I give you Ten Commandments. You had to start adding on to that. You added on. You added on. And I think somewhere I read that they, they got up to like 500 things that you shouldn't do. I mean, you could be walking through a wheat field on Sunday and pick off a, a, a top of that wheat and just rub it between your hands, just walking along, nothing. And that would be, they consider that working, and you'd be, you'd be shunned by the church. If you bent over and picked something out of the street while you was walking across the road, you'd be shunned by the church. They made religion so strict that there was no way you could keep it. Now, here's what Jesus said. He said, now, you Jews, okay, if you want to deal with religion that way, that's what you'll, that's what you'll be judged on. But here's a Gentile guy that don't, he don't live under those laws because you're a Jew and he's a Gentile. Remember, if you're not a Gentile, a Jew, you're a Gentile. He said, so here's the thing. You take, you don't have the law, but you've chose out of your heart to follow me. You've chose to give me your life. And that's going to get you to heaven. Not whether you keep all those laws that another man has made, but whether you give your heart to Jesus, whether you've been saved from the inside out. Let me say it in our words today. You can come to this church all your life. I can dunk you in that water tank over there 10, 15 times. But if you never change the inside of your heart, this place just by itself won't save you. It's a good place to be. I like being here. I like being in church with God's people. But this place won't save you. Only Jesus will save you. That water over there is pretty. It's a beautiful ceremony when you're buried in your old way and you rise to your new way. That's, man, that's a, that's a celebration. We clap. We enjoy that. But going through that water of Kaiser over there is not going to get you to heaven. It's only through the blood, only by letting him change you from the inside out. It's kind of like being married. I got a wedding ring here, if I can get it off. This wedding symbolizes that I'm, I'm married to, to this woman right here. This is, I've, I've swore my faithfulness to her. Now, this ring is nothing if I go out and cheat on her. I, this is just a, it's a big farce. Because this doesn't keep me married if I don't honor it in my heart. And so I, could, I can take this ring off and throw it in the trash. It don't make me unmarried to her. I'm still married to her. But also, I want to honor what this ring stands for. When you came and was baptized... Guys, we should honor what we've done for God to be baptized. What breaks my heart is I see people that come, and, and I believe on my heart they're saved, and, and they, get, they get baptized, and I don't ever see them anymore. They don't ever come to church anymore. Was it just something they did and marked it off their bucket list? Okay, guys, listen to me. You don't get saved, and then you're done with it. You just start serving God when you get saved. That's just the starting point. That's just the beginning point. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to serve. He wants you to love others. He wants you to be light and salt in the community. The baptism over there becomes a curse if you don't honor it. It becomes a curse. Just like this ring, I might as well just throw it on the ground if I'm going to be not faithful to my wife. This ring can't make me be faithful, but it should remind me that something important went on that day that I coveted with her, and I said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you for poorer or poorer. Did y'all get that? All right. Uh, we hadn't seen the riches yet, have we? We have, though. We're greatly blessed, highly favored, what God has done for us. 
But guys, listen, let's, let's don't stomp on what God has done for us. Let's don't stamp on what Jesus has done on the cross for us, thinking that I can come and get saved, I can get baptized, check that off my list, and just go out and live however I want. We already get ran down for that as Baptists. Oh, you Baptists are those once saved, always saved people. You believe you can get, go get saved and go do whatever you want. Man, shame on us if we treat God's grace like that. It should change our life from the inside. We should, yeah, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to do wrong, but it should break our heart. We shouldn't want to flaunt it. We shouldn't want to keep doing it. If we keep doing the same thing over and over in our wrong and our sin, have we really been changed from the inside out? Or did we just get dunked in the water? You see, does it make sense? It makes sense, doesn't it? Something serious to think about. Verse 17. Now, you, if you call yourself a Jew, and he's going to talk to religious people for a minute, okay? You go, oh, he's talking to Jews. I don't have to listen to this. But l- let's... Let's insert the word religious people. And we talked to our kids about this this morning up in teen class. There is a big difference between being religious and being saved. I heard my daddy say years ago, man, I, you can do anything religiously. Y'all remember him saying that? You can do anything religiously. I got a bunch of my family here this morning. But he said, man, you can go fish religiously. You know, if Michael gets up and goes fishing every morning at 8 o'clock, first of all, Michael would be thrilled. He'd love that. But if you got to, you know, every morning, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, I'm fishing. Well, that could be religiously. He's doing that as a habit, okay? You don't want to come here just because it's 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, and that's where I'm supposed to be. You want to come here because you can't wait to learn more about God. You want to come here because you get to lift up praises. And you might say, well, Brother Todd, I can't sing. Well, you just hum. You whistle. Whatever you, you just lift up praises. I want to be here with other people that I love. I want to be there with them, and I want to lift up glory to God. I want to worship him. It's not, that's the 11 o'clock place to be, and I'll go get that settled, and then I'll just go back and do my life. He is here. You can touch him, and you'll never be the same. It should change us from the inside out. We should, you know, what happens, and, and my life's been this way too, I'll take a couple steps up the ladder with God, man, I think I'm doing well, and then I fall back two steps, and, and then I, I really get on fire, and then I climb up the ladder again about halfway, and then then I fall back. And we spend all our, all our time just doing this, doing the, 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 the Christian two-step, I feel. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just take off for God? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just take off for him and, and, and do what he wants and live for him the way he wants and quit staying in the middle all the time? You know, the Bible says in Revelation, he says you're lukewarm. He said you're not good for nothing. He said, I wish you was hot or I wish you was cold. You ever had a a, a drink of lukewarm water on a 90-degree day? What do you want to do? Spew it out of your mouth. That's what the Bible said. He said, if you're lukewarm, I I, I just, I like to, I spew you out of my mouth because I can't use you for anything. Well, a good cold drink on a hot day, ooh, that, that suit. And then, how many like to jump in the shower and it's cold? Not me. You know, you like a good hot shower. You know? Be hot or cold. Be something that's useful. And that's kind of sad to say, but what he's saying is either get on fire for me or, or just, I don't know, and he don't want you to quit, don't get me wrong, but, but just kind of staying in the middle, it's just kind of, I'm here. I'm here. God's got so much more for us to do, amen? He's got such a more abundant life than we, we even draw on. I, I think if we could see with God's eyes and see 
the possibilities that we could be with Christ, I think it would blow our mind what he wants to do with us and what, what talents he's gifted us with. Well, Brother Todd, I don't have any talents. You do. If you have been saved by Jesus Christ, he has gifted you in some way. It may be encouragement. It may be through servanthood. It may be, it may be through music or teaching or preaching. But, but he's gifted you in some way. Man, he doesn't, he, listen guys, we're in such a mess in this world right now and things are so hard and things are so scary that guys, and we've talked about this last Sunday night in the book of Jude. Come back, we're going to be in part two of that tonight. But listen, we're, we're in a spot where we can't sit down as a church. We've got to stand up bigger than we've ever stood up. You've got to draw your family closer than you've ever drawn them to God. Because I'm telling you, there are people walking away from God and they're walking away from the church every day. Because culture says things are changing. Culture says, oh, we don't believe the Bible anymore. Culture says the Bible's old-fashioned. It's out of date. I'm telling you guys, God does not go out of date. Jesus does not have an expiration date. And if you ever got close to Jesus, today is to do it. Because it's going to get ugly. It's going to get confusing. The devil's going to, he's going to confuse our mind if we don't stay close to Jesus Christ. And if you've ever been turned on for God, you need to get your family and you together and get them close and get turned on for God. Because if not, I believe in the next 15, 20 years, there's going to be many people walk out that door and never come back. And the Bible says, woe. Woe to those that walk out and don't come back. Woe to those that turn their back on God and say, this Bible doesn't mean what it used to mean. It still means the same thing it meant when it was written. And it will always mean the same thing. It does not change. Our God does not change. Mm. Have mercy on us all. Verse 18, if you know this, his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, and a teacher of little children because you have the law and the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Man, you know what I don't want it ever be said? That people are turned off to God by the church of First Baptist Kaiser. And you know what? And there's some people just going to find an excuse to find an excuse. I understand that. But, but there are churches and there are people and there, you know, there's some of us that sometimes live in a way, just like here he's talking about these Gentiles over here, they don't know, they don't know about God. Unless you, and the Jews over there living this, this strict life and this burdened life and, oh, I can't hardly move because of all the things I'm supposed to do. And he said, they look at you, and they look at you making fun of them, and they look at you saying they're not worthy to serve a risen God, and they look at you and they say, I, I don't even want what they've got because they're so snooty and uppity, and, and they, they feel like they're better than everybody else. And people already feel like that, and I don't know why, but I don't want them to feel like they're not good enough to come in the doors of this church because God shows no favoritism. We are all the same. We all need a Savior. We don't come here because... And we are saints, we know Christ, but we don't come here just to lift up our sainthood and walk around and, you know, 
have y'all prayed by in your, your sash every Sunday? And here's, here's Todd Benson, great Christian. Look at it, you know. We come here today on our knees saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. Because I, des- I didn't deserve it, but you love me anyway. You love me anyway. And that's what he's saying there. He's saying, look, they're turned off by religion. People in this world will be turned off by religion. They will. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, look what they're doing. And guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I've learned in my life, when I point the finger at someone, all I have to do is go over and look in the mirror or think for two seconds, and I can think of something I've even thought or I've done in my life that's just as bad or worse. You see what I'm saying? When we point our finger at people, what we need to tell people is, look, we are all the same. We all need a Savior. And I don't come here because I'm well. I come here because I'm sick. I'm sin sick. And I need a Savior. I need a Savior. And I want people to feel welcome to come in this place. No matter where they're from, what nationality, male, female. You know, there's places in the world today that females can't even worship with the men. Aren't you glad that God doesn't show favoritism? Mercy. Let's finish up real quick. Then he gets into this circumcision thing that the, the Jews like to hold up like, oh, this is our badge right here. Circumcision has value, has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you become as those who have not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as those that were circumcised? The one is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are lawbreakers. A person is not a Jew who is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And the circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. The Jews loved to, the ones that didn't find Christ, the Jews that wanted to do it all with religion, they loved to kind of strut around. All the way back since Moses' day and Abraham's day, and God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He said, your descendants is going to be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. You are my chosen people. And so the Jewish people, a lot of them started thinking, hey, we got a free pass to heaven. God chose us. We're free to go to heaven. We can do whatever we want. And then God brought in this thing of, of being circumcised for the male. That would show that they were, they were Jewish people. That's all it showed. It didn't show them they were going to heaven. It didn't show them they were God's children. It just showed them they were, they were Jewish. But they, they took that and said to the Gentiles, when Paul started preaching the word to them and taking the good news to them, and they started finding Christ. Because they didn't have to worry about laws or circumcision or anything like that. They just knew that if, they just believed by faith what Paul was saying. If I give my heart to Jesus, he's going to save me. They believed it. And boy, the Jews didn't like it. Well, you're just not as good as us. I've got a mark that you don't have. And boy, Paul gets a hold of me. Listen, Paul was a Jew. Paul, Paul was, he was well-learned. He wasn't just somebody trying to figure this out on the fly. God had brought Paul through a life, not by accident, but to teach him everything about what he would fight, everything he would battle. 
And he says, look, folks, Paul says, look, Jews, if you're dependent on that badge of circumcision to get you into heaven, you done got on the wrong boat. Listen to me. If you're dependent on that badge of, of baptism to get you into heaven, you're on the wrong boat. Now, baptism is beautiful. I done said that. But listen to me. If your heart don't change, you can be dunked a hundred times over it. It doesn't matter. God's got to change your heart. That's what he was saying to the Jewish people here. He said, man, you wear your, your, your nationality and this badge of this mark on your body, you, you wear that around like that's getting you to heaven. He said, I'd rather you not have the mark and know me in your heart. I'd rather you live like that than to parade around and tell everybody how wrong they are when you're doing the same things wrong yourself. You tend to think, hey, I'm God's chosen people, so God wants me to be salt and light to people, and man, I'm going to tell them how to live. God's going to give me authority to tell everybody how wrong they are. God said, listen to me. When you tell somebody how wrong they are, don't tell them out of your mouth. You tell them out of this. This is the truth. Because, listen, if you say, oh, I don't do that. Oh, I'm better than that. He's saying you're lying. Because you're a sinner, too. Because you do the same thing. Oh, I... I've never committed adultery, Brother Todd. You ever thought about it? You ever lusted after another person? The Bible says if you even think about it, you've done it. That changes the playing field, doesn't it? It does. He said, have you stole? You told other people not to steal, and you steal? Well, I've never took anything. Have you took someone's, just broke their heart? Have you sat there and, and degraded somebody? If you took away their testimony because you thought you'd spread some gossip about them? You stole something from them. He said, when you judge, get in line first of all. Get out here with everybody else being judged, and then let this book of truth judge you. Because this is the book that's going to judge everybody. Through Jesus Christ. This is where judging comes from. Because guys, listen to me. We're, we're just not that good of people on most days. But, but, the big but, through Jesus, we can be made worthy. And that's where the big word grace comes in for the book of Romans. That's where the big word, that's how you, that's how you come to Romans. He's showing you all this in 1 and 2, how lost and how wrong and how you judge others and all these things in your lost state. But he said, but... There's righteousness available to everyone. I can change your whole history. I can change your whole future if you'll just give your heart to me and let me change you from the inside out. And then go be baptized and show the world what Christ has done for you in your heart. You've been buried to your old way. I'm not going to do some of the things I, or the things I used to do through God's help, and I'm going to rise up and I'm going to walk. The old me is dead, and the new me is going to walk in the righteousness of Christ. And when I do fall, and I'm going to be shamed about that, but I'm going to fall to my knees and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive me. And then I'm going to work through him, through his power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not to do that anymore. Because, listen, we can ask for forgiveness, but are we really sorry that we, that we, we hate our sin, or are we sorry that we got caught? 
You know, when I, when I talk to my girls sometime, why did you do that? They don't even know what I'm talking about. They just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Daddy. I didn't mean to, Daddy. I think they're sorry they got caught. Because they, really, they don't want to stop it. They just don't want to get in trouble. They don't want the wrath of King Daddy coming down on them, you know? I make Abby call me King Daddy once in a while just to keep her humble. Ain't that awful? But guys, listen to me. Isn't God good? Amen? He can change us, man. He can change us. He changes from the inside out. We can never be the same. He is here. You can touch him. He'll never be the same. And all God's people say, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just praise your name today. Lord, we, we're thankful that you took an old filthy rag like me and you saw fit to come and die for me. And Lord, I know on most days, I, I wish I could do better for you. But Lord, you continue to empower me through your spirit and to teach me things and to show me how to, to judge others and, and not to judge others on my, my thoughts, but on yours. And, and, and Lord, may, may I just let your word do the judging. Lord, help us to, to realize how great your grace is. Help us to realize that this is an inside-out thing. It's not something we can just will to, to be better. We have to let you change us because we're not going to be better on our own. Lord, I just thank you for that. Lord, help, help us to, to realize how important it is to draw our family close to you. Help us to realize that the trumpet could sound any day and we could be going home. Lord, help us to live in such a sense of urgency that we share the good news, that we live the good news, that we teach our kids about the good news. Lord, may it be a huge part of our life every week because, Lord, we don't know. We don't know it could be any minute and we could be going home. And, and Lord, there could be people that we love with all our heart. They would be left behind because they've not yet received you. Lord, your waiting doesn't mean you approve of what we've done. It just means your grace is great. So, Lord, help us to draw near. Help us to be looking up, but also to be looking toward others. And help us to live in such a way that people want what we have. Not to pat us on the back. Then we can point them to uh, the glory of you, the glory of God. And tell them, it's not because of me. It's because of what Christ has done for me. Lord, may we do that. Speak to hearts this morning, Lord. If there's someone here that don't know you as Savior, may they come and just make that right today, Lord. May they realize that no one is beyond Christ saving them. And Lord, if there's someone here burdened today with, with something on their heart, and they, or maybe a sin, and they've just not asked you to forgive them, Lord, let that, let that be wiped white as snow today, and just clean their life up bright and shiny before they leave today, and let them press on doing good for you. Lord, you speak during this few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen.